MA Mastermind Podcast. This is your go to source for the latest industry trends and strategies to help you level up your MA practice. I am your host, Nick Olson, Managing Director of Cornerstone International Alliance. We are a consortium of lower middle market MA firms. And here, this, uh, this forum, we bring, in episodes, we bring in guests who are masters of their craft who are going to help us um, level up our practices, but share their experiences on how they've been successful in what they do. Today's guest, I'm really excited about. Um, like I told her before, I'm a little intimidated. She's, uh, she's been really, she's a, been a, done a ton of these episodes on her own and her own podcast show, but she is a CPA by trade. Um, I understand that she became a CPA because she lost a bet to her dad, which I want to hear that story. Uh, she works, she worked in corporate finance for over 13 years. Um, started her own company. Uh, so she could serve the backbone of our economy, the small businesses. Um, and she's a host of her own podcast called Keep What You Earn, where she has done over 450 episodes, has been a guest on 75 other people's podcast episodes. Please welcome my guest today, Shannon Weinstein. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks, Nick. That's a, that's a pretty impressive resume. So uh, tell me about this bet that you lost back when, how old were you, 12? <laughs> no, no, I mean, I like in high school. So I... Yeah. I had this, I had the the blessing, I guess you'd call it. Now I refer to it as a blessing, but back then I didn't really understand that uh, in high school we were offered accounting as a course. And my dad was a CPA and he said, hey, Shan, you need to take this class as an elective. And if you hate it, I'm never going to bug you again about becoming an accountant, even though I want you to, because I was the firstborn and I was a little protege, right? Like he was mm -hmm. like, oh, she's going to take over the practice. And he said, uh, if you hate it, I'm never going to bug you again. If you love it, though, you have to major in it. And I was like, okay, game on, because he was nagging me like every other week. So I yeah. said, this is good stakes. I like this. Okay, so I win-win, right? So if I actually love it, cool. If I hate it, he leaves me alone. So I said, okay, I'll do it. Uh, two weeks in, I was bumped to honors accounting with over 100 average, did all the extra credit, and was like, this is so easy. This is yeah. what you do for a living. And my dad pulled me aside and said, listen this is something you need to teach people if you understand it, because a lot of people don't understand this. And a lot of people don't think this is easy, but it's really rare to find someone who thinks this is easy. Mm -hmm. And it, it was at that moment that I realized that this is like one of my strengths and I can find a way to share it. Yeah. Um, so then you were in, you know, you know, uh, corporate finance for a while for 13 years. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and how that went and where you are, you know, where you are today. Yeah. So I started off at one of the big four firms. I worked there for about seven years between audit and consulting. I then moved into another consulting role. I moved into a director of professional services at a SaaS company for accountants. I then moved, it was all process improvement focus. Looking back, every single move I've ever made in my career was about improving process. So I then moved into director of technical sales, go figure, because I was selling the product unintentionally. I was doing demos and selling the product really well. And they said, well, let's put her in sales. She's yeah. actually a CPA. She's actually the customer. She can tell stories. So I started doing that, learned the craft of how you speak, learned how to persuade. Uh, and then I, I then left and worked in internal audit for a while. And that was where I decided... I think that I'm meant to do my own thing and do it my way using all these skills and, and the knowledge I'd accumulated up until that point. So mm -hmm. that's when I decided to, to kind of take the show on the road and uh, become completely virtual location agnostic and start my own practice. Okay. And yeah, so tell us about what your current company is, you know, all about who you serve, 
right now and, and kind of how you got started in this podcast game. Yeah. So we actually, believe it or not, we rebranded the company under Keep What You Earn Company because the brand took off so well. And it's a a boutique fractional CFO practice. And what we do is we help seven and eight figure business owners build a scalable and or sellable business. We love the idea that you can build a business that you could sell if you wanted to. We want to afford our founders the choice so that they're not building a way to get stuck or a way to pass time. They're building something that will actually create wealth for them and become something that they can use as an asset going forward. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir here with uh, with the clients that we we work with as ZMNA advisory uh, firms and, and advisors. You know, your work is what sets them up, you know, to be able to work with us to sell their company. So, I mean, a lot of times when we run into clients, it's, it's, they need a runway of another year or three years to do that. Um, so kind of just hit on that. Why, why, I mean, uh, then the obvious, you know, I want to sell now, but I can't, you know, cause I, I'm not ready. You know, why is it so important for business, small business owners to work and do that work ahead of time? Well, I always say, and my dad always told me this in my career. He's like, you should always be, if you're not sure what you want to do, do the thing that will get you the most choices. So do the thing that will probably be the most beneficial to you, no matter where you want to end up. And I followed this through my whole career. So I always stayed in big four accounting because I said, look, the longer I stay before I figure out what I want to do with the rest of my life, the longer I stay, the more choices I'm going to have and the more ability I'm going to have to adapt and to decide what I want to do when. So with business owners, I try to convey that and say, listen, if you build the systems, the processes, the SOPs, the team, you, you delegate responsibilities and have clear lines of who does what, you start to actually pull yourself out of the business more and make it operate with or without your intervention, that's going to build a very valuable business. And then in turn, you'll be able to decide, hey, if I'm incapacitated or if I just decide I have different goals in life or I want to change how I live my life, you have the ability to then package and sell your business or to hire a GM and come and run it and become more passive. But you have those choices because of decisions you make to build it that way early on. Yeah. That's amazing because, uh, you know, we get, you know, a lot of business owners will get stuck in the moment and they're working on the business in the business. I should say working in the business, not on the business. Right. So if you can work more on the business, prepare yourself for that, you know, whatever life brings you. I mean, that's going to be huge. And hopefully, um, you know, us as m advisors, you know, I do. I know our job is to help them sell their company. But if we find a client that's not in a position to sell, like we can convey that message to them and help them get there. Or we can refer them on to someone like yourself and you guys can help them do the work and um, get them to a position where they got those choices. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I appreciate the context. Um, you know, definitely work. Uh, I guess. So how, how have you seen other than, you know, the work you just talked about and then we'll dive into the topic at hand is, is why we need to get on people's podcasts. Cause that's what we're here to talk about. But I just want to understand too, like from, what you and your company are working with, how do you, how do you currently work with M&A advisory firms or M&A advisors in your current practice? And how can, you know, how do you see that synergy there? Because you know, that's really who our audience is for this show. Yeah, I see them as partners, right? Partners in and team members. So if a client is looking at 
possibly selling or possibly undergoing some type of transaction. Uh, I see myself as an advisor in that somebody who can interface and translate, because I do find that a lot of founders get overwhelmed by the process, don't really understand what's going on, or don't understand the key elements that have to be in place in order for it to be smooth. So it's kind of like the, <laughs> we, we can talk to each other, right? We can have backstage conversations and we can understand what has to happen to make it the most successful as possible. So I would say that I just kind of see these things as, uh, passing the baton in a relay, relay race, so to speak. It's saying, hey, here's everything that you need to be successful and being able to work together really nicely. Yeah, yeah, great. And hopefully there's some deals that we can work on down the road. That'd be awesome. Um, of course. And so your, your current podcast, um, you've done over 450 episodes. Um, keep what you earn. I guess, how far, how long, I mean, kind of give us a perspective of when did you start it? Where did these four, like how, how many years back does 400 episodes span? Because I think what you're doing is, is, is amazing. And quite honestly, I don't know how you do it. It's only two years old. Okay. So, so, so if you do the math, years, right? <laughs> so if you do the math, <laughs> we do a lot of episodes. So it's, uh, we actually started it in August, 2021. I was doing roughly one a week. Like I launched with about 12 episodes on, on like a binge, like a season. And then we went into one a week and then we paced it at two a week, starting in February of 2022. And then by June, 2022, we were at five a week. Um, and it just took off. So I would say, yeah, that's, that's about how we ended up at the 450. Okay. And so what was you, you, you back two years ago, I guess, why did you start a podcast first and foremost? So I had this itch to start a podcast because it was like the cool thing. So I was like, oh, I would love to have a podcast. It'd be so fun. But like, I didn't have a business case for it or figure out where it fit into my ecosystem. So I had to make sure that it had a purpose in my, in my system, in my funnels, in my, you know, um, in my intake. So I said, okay, how are we going to use this podcast? Cause it's a great way to spend a bunch of time and money, <laughs> but I don't have right. the ability to spend a ton of free time and money for fun. So I said, listen, it's going to be fun but I have to have it make sense because it's going to cost money. It's going to be an investment of my time and money to begin with until we get this into a groove. So, and I had to be consistent. So I said, it's a commitment. So for me to commit, I need to be promised a result or like to myself and say, this is why we're doing it. Otherwise I will lose touch with the why and I will get into the tactical of, you know, why I don't want to do it. Or it's kind of like waking up in the morning and working out and doing an episode, right? So it's, mm -hmm. Hey, if I'm going to form this habit, I need to understand why I'm doing it. So, uh, so that was a big part of it. But once I kind of nailed that and figured out, oh, this is actually a great way to be top of funnel, to, to gain audience and to build my network. And it had all of these side effect benefits I really didn't see coming that started to pop up and visualize. And I said, oh my God, this is exactly the right thing I should be doing. After about a couple of months, I said, this is the thing. This is the thing we're going to grow. Like screw Instagram, screw social like not really, but like we're using right. it. But I said, that's not the thing. This is going to be the thing that I'm going to use to grow the network and grow the audience. And uh, that's exactly what we poured into. And that was the result we got. Yeah. So five episodes a week, obviously for anyone looking to, you know, start a podcast or do a podcast, that seems daunting in my, <laughs> in my mm -hmm. opinion. For my, you know, I kind of started just like you started your episodes and I'm, I'm, you know, in the infancy stages of this podcast and Two, two, two years down the road, will I get to 400? Um, who knows, right? But, uh, um, but I guess, how do you manage the amount of time? Like you said, you got a certain amount of finite amount of time and, and effort to spend on this thing. Like, 
five episodes. You got to be really organized. You got to be, you know, kind of, like you said, got that process in place to make it successful and make it beneficial. Um, like, how do you, how do you manage that whole process? Yeah. So, so very tactically, we, we hired an agency to do the editing and a lot of the flow to begin with. Right. But I think that what we did was we, we took it back to my process improvement days and said, okay, to do this much output, right. We have to have this process in place. Like we have to follow it consistently. So we had to have the right people doing the right, the right tasks and make sure that we were creating a really good guest experience, that we were making it easy for me to create solo content. So one of the ways we did that was we have a content framework. So like every single episode fits into one of my four content pillars. And then there are three elements underneath each of that. So I actually really organized what I talk about into a structured format. So then once I did that, I said, okay, now I have a fixed like fixed lines to color in. And I say, okay, what can I talk about in each of these areas? And one of the ways I did it was I sat down, you could sit down for 15 minutes, you can go for a walk, whatever it may be. And you could then take uh, one of those things, one topic, and then just write down what is every question somebody could ask me about that topic? Like every question from who, what, when, where, why, how in every dimension and realize that every one of those things is an episode. So you can do a five episode series on S corps. For example, I did that. Like I did a five episode series on 1099s because there's a ton of questions around that. And my episodes are not an hour each. They're about 10 to 15 minutes each. So if you think about it, if you break down an hour, you can actually squeeze out four to five episodes out of that hour. If you just break up the talking points. In addition, you can repurpose content. You can re-air old episodes as long as they're not specific to a certain point in time or you're not calling out what week it is when you're recording it, um, using any type of current events and such. You can replay those episodes. You can also split up your guest episodes into multiple parts as well if they go long. So, And there's also ways to edit and splice together. Uh, Lewis Howes does an amazing job of this, by the way, where he'll take a theme, but then pull from three different interviews where they talk about that topic. So we can actually go back to the framework and say, I want to talk about sales skills. We've had three different guests that have all talked about this type of thing and reiterated this point. Let's actually clip those together and make that into an episode that really emphasizes the point. So you can get really creative with how you deliver it. And it could be as simple as a 10 minute Q&A like find a question that, that you took in from a submission and answer it on the air. So basically you can create a ton of content with very little effort if you're just really intentional about how you're going to use it. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. You've uh, you just gave me some more to think about right there. So um, that's, you know, and if you're, and, and like, and like I said before, starting a podcast might be, you know, intimidating. So if you're not ready to do that yet, you you still want to take advantage of the podcast media to get your, your content out there, get in front of people, being on other people's podcasts, like you're on my podcast today, um, use that as an example. Um, like, I guess, why is that important? Why do you think people should be doing more of that? Well, because I believe that like social gets a really good, uh, gets really good brand on like, oh, I need to be on social media. But let's be real here. If you're doing short form content, you're grabbing attention and getting it from maybe 20 seconds if you're lucky, mostly seven seconds. But if you're only on there for like 20 seconds doing something, wouldn't you rather be in someone's ear for 20 minutes? And wouldn't you have, wouldn't you rather have their undivided attention while they're doing something in flow state, like working out, walking, cooking, cleaning, um, you know, even in the shower, I'll, I'll admit, I listen to podcasts while I'm in the shower. So it's, 
it's kind of like, wouldn't you rather have their undivided attention for 20 minutes to talk about something, especially when the currency you're dealing with, with your customers is trust. So if you want to build trust quickly, it's not being done through dancing and pointing on social media. It like that, that can happen. And that is good to supplement, to show that you're, you're delivering content, that you're, you're present, but Ultimately, where you're going to find relationships and start those relationships is doing things that evoke more trust, like speaking in front of audiences or getting in front of people via podcasts. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and, you know, another value to being on someone like who's done 400 episodes, if you, you're, I'm sure your guests are being able to leverage your current audience, getting in front of those people and kind of having that kind of viral effect of what these, you know, social you know avenues allow us to do. So, being able to leverage your 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 host's network, I imagine, is huge. Yeah, I call it borrowing trust. So if the host trusts you, then yeah. your audience will trust you too, and you get to leverage that. And then you also get to cross-contaminate the audiences. So now, for example, you know, if we republished this episode on Keep What You Earn, which we might, so hey, if you're listening... <laughs> <laughs> we might have done it. Um, yeah. But if we republish this episode, for example, then my audience gets to hear you, your audience gets to hear me. And now yeah. we've both multiplied our audiences. There's really very little downside to spending the time to record a 40 to 60 minute podcast episode. And also if you're a guest on other people's shows, you can ask for the audio and video, and then you can use that for your social. You could use it to have it transcribed, make a blog, have it uh, have it, have it sliced together and make reels. You know, you can also establish credibility because I couldn't tell you how many people I see now that just look like they're behind a microphone like this and they're speaking on social. Inherently you have this like sense of, oh, they're important enough to get interviewed that like you tend to listen and you see them as an expert versus somebody who's just talking at the screen. So there's a bit of this kind of, uh, nuance to it where you can show up a little bit more like an expert, the more that you're, out there and in front of other people's audiences. Right, right. And I guess, how important is it to be on a, a show that's, you know, maybe not directly related to your industry? Um, you know, because, you know, with as, as M&A advisors or M&A advisory firm owners, um, you know, it spans across a lot of different, you know, areas, but, you know, you might be surprised at how going outside your industry will help you, you know, down the road, right? Yeah. Well, and, and here's the thing, like when you tell your industry, you have to go where your clients are, not where you're, you are. So if, so one thing I actually talk about this with accountants and I don't know if M&A advisors are doing this too, but like, if you're listening to this show, great, continue listening to it. However, you know, unless it is like Nick's show where you're getting in front of other people and you're getting to promote yourself, right? You also want to be looking at like, well, where are my clients listening? Right? So what what shows are my clients listening to? So if my clients are small business owners making seven to eight figures, where are they hanging out? And not what am I listening to? Accountants do this all the time. They go on accounting podcasts. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you on an accounting podcast? No business owner that you probably want to work with is listening to accounting podcasts for fun, mm -hmm. like about the accounting industry. And I go like, not in your industry, but your client's industry. So if you're a, like for me as a fractional CFO, I've been on shows that are like e-commerce business owners, you know, marketing podcasts, anything about business strategy, like coaching. Um, I've been on, you know, industry for like contractors, for writers, for authors. So like I've been on, you know, like the a podcast specifically for authors. And what do I talk about? I talk about 
like certain costs you can deduct in your business, ways to measure KPIs. I talk about my topics, but I contextualize it for that audience. So you have to look at the podcast you're pitching to say, well, what, who is the audience? And do I want to get in front of them? If I had a room full of those people already curated, already organized for you, guys, there's no downside to this. They're already in a room together waiting to hear what's going on. So it's like somebody's compiled a room full of your ideal client. Just get on stage and start talking. Right. Right. And that's, and that's really a huge benefit of these things. And so yeah, if I, no if algorithm I'm, needed. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, and then you're, I mean, you're on my podcast, which you're not in the M&A industry, but it's something that's re relatable and your audience might want to know about this because your audience is business owners and so are ours. So kind of have a commonality in that regard. Um, so hopefully yeah, but also like to your point, Nick, uh, M&A advisors, I would love to work with more M&A advisors because y'all have businesses who need my help too. Mm -hmm. So now yeah. you have to get creative guys. It's like, go on. Now you guys could go on the accounting podcast and talk about how right. we can make our clients more sellable, what you mm -hmm. look for in a deal, how to connect with, with business brokers and M&A advisors, uh, the different roles in a business transaction. Not a lot of accountants know a lot about this in terms of value, unless they've studied valuation and business sales. A lot of accountants are pretty green to this. So you could actually kill it if you go on some of the accounting podcasts that fractional CFOs listen to. And now you're in front of fractional CFOs and you're teaching them, here's what we need from you. Or like, you know, maybe we have, if you have a business who works with a fractional CFO, it's probably your ideal client, right? Because that means somebody's actually looking over the books and making sure stuff is flowing. So now it's like, hmm, I actually want to go after fractional CFOs and bookkeepers to see who there's, who's in their roster because now I know they have a professional on their side to help. So you have to go that one layer deeper and figure out where do I want to be showing up and who do I want to know about me? Yeah. You know, you talked about, I mean, this is just an aha moment for me. What you just said is like, I'm going to splice this episode up and I'm going to use that as a short video, kind of a teaser and, 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 and use that to, to promote this podcast. I mean, that was gold right there. And I think that's exactly true because we want to get in front of, you know, who our audience is and, and us as M&A professionals, you know, our, our biggest referral sources are, are you know, our, our, our biggest business development tactic is a lot of times our referral sources, CPAs, attorneys, yep. wealth managers, like those are the people that we really want to get in front of, help them do what they do better by educating them to allow them to educate their clients, you know, kind of working it that way as opposed to always trying to get in front of the business owner. Um, absolutely so. because they're, they're not going to be, they're not going to have the appetite for it, but you'll be able to talk at the same level to a fractional CFO or a wealth advisor. And then they're going to want to partner with you. And then they want to have added value to their customers by already having a partner on the M and a side and being able to recommend. So it all floats around and, and comes back around. Uh, but being strategic about those relationships and have either having a podcast or getting on podcasts to build that network is absolutely essential in my mind. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And the more I'm getting into the podcast world, um, that's becoming very evident to me that that is a, a powerful tactic that um, we should all be taking advantage of. So if I want to, if I want to be on a podcast, like how does one go about doing that? Yeah. So the next question I always get is right. The, okay, cool. I want to be on shows. What do I do? Like, how do I get on? Like, do I just ask? Do I just show up? Like, what do I do? So uh, so first of all, you want to focus on, we just talked about this, focus on the audience that you want. And the audience may not be your customer. The audience may be the influencer. The audience may be the other professional, like we just talked about. So think about the audience, then go, where are they listening? 
So hone in on those shows. And by the way, another, another hack for you is you can go on Upwork or hire agencies and such and say, I just want you to make a list of like 50 shows that this person listens to. Like go mm -hmm. online, do the research. You could do the research yourself or you could probably hire someone hourly at a very low rate to go do this for you and come up with the list of the short list of 20 to 50 shows. Now, what I recommend you do, and this is just my opinion as a host for two years, I don't personally, if it's my show, I don't personally enjoy the agency pitches or the pitch email templates. I can very, very, very well smell a template. Right. Um, it looks like a Mad Lib. And sometimes it even has those brackets that's like podcast name here. And I'm like, really? <laughs> oh, all the time. It's like, hi, I got one that said, hi, Weinstein, insert podcast name here is one of my favorite shows. And I was like, are you really? Someone paid you to do this? So just know that that we, we can kind of smell a template. Uh, what I would recommend doing, though, is to increase their likelihood of getting booked and to building a relationship with that host, I would personally reach out. But I would, I would shortcut it all the way up until that point. So I would have somebody do the research, give you talking points, um, give you all the fuel you need to write a genuine email, and maybe even summarize a few episodes for you and point to a couple that you should listen to or a couple of videos of the host so you get a good feel for their rhythm. Uh, I just think that's really respectful and it shows that you're putting in the work. I would also rather, personally, when I pitch shows, I would rather pitch 10 shows and put the proper effort into pitching them thoughtfully than to pitch 50 and hope I hope I catch 10. Um, you know, it's the same amount of time, but the likelihood of achievement is better when you can put the time in. So I would say that you want to be pitching clearly, thoughtfully. I would write them an email or whatever way they prefer to get in touch. So go on their website and see how you can maybe apply to be a guest. We have a guest application, for example, that we have people fill out. So if you go to the Keep What You Were In website, then you'll see submit to be a guest here. So if you haven't done that, that also suggests to me that you really haven't bothered to do the bare minimum searching of the show because it's right there on the top of the page. So stuff like that, just do the, do the minimum searching to figure out how to apply, um, and especially for bigger shows. And then when you pitch, have a podcast one sheet. And what that is, is basically a summary that will tell me as a host who you are, what you know, and how you can serve my audience fundamentally. And how you go about doing that is having a short bio, a headshot, a little bit of featured in if you have any past features, whether they be uh, in written form or any type of news coverage or networks or other podcasts, put featured in with some icons or, or list it. Uh, and then you want to also put in example questions, topics that you could cover, and then in your pitch email, customize that to my audience as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Say, hey, Shannon, I know that the Keep What You Earn audience would really benefit from this topic because A, B, C, D, E, and uh, have a couple of topics in your back pocket in case we've already covered that recently. You know, something that you could use to say, hey, here's how I can serve your audience. Because me as the host and you as the guest, we're in service of my audience, not me. So nothing should be about me. It should be about here's what I think your audience would find beneficial. And then I will listen because everybody here is in service of the audience. Right. And I was going to say, you kind of hit on a lot of it, but like key components as a subject matter expert as to why you need to be on the show. But you kind of turn that around and be like, how can I serve your your podcast or your your audience? Like, I think that's that's a key component because we can tell, you know, and this is just in marketing in general, in my opinion, we can tell our clientele, like, we're the greatest thing in the world. You know, we're, we're awesome. Like, let us tell you about how great we are and things like that, where 
if we can have other people do that or how we can like, so basically we're helping, you know, obviously getting our face out in front of people, but you know, for your show as well, helping you um, better serve your, hopefully your guests are better helping you best serve your, your audience as well. But just having, you know, you come out as this, this amazing person in, you know, indirect way, I think is important. I agree. And it's, it's more important that you reduce the number of I, I statements right. in your pitch. It's like, I think I want to be a show. I want to be on your show. I, 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 and I'm like, I eventually, I just go, you know what? It should be about them. So like, right. what are you going to do for my audience? Because that's who I'm trying to serve here. And if you're trying to help me do that, it cannot be about you. Yes. I know you benefit from this. We all know you benefit from this, but what, what will you do to add value to my audience? Because like I mentioned before in the episode, you're borrowing my trust, right? You're borrowing my trust that my audience has in me. So by me having you on the show, you're leveraging the trust people have in me and it's mine to lose. So if I, I might lose trust with my audience if I bring on someone who isn't a pleasant guest or does not provide good value, I could end up damaging my reputation. So if I'm putting my reputation and my audience on the line, I need to know that somebody's going to step up and serve them really well. And overall, my guests have. But what, what I want to do is make sure that it's a hell yes for me as a host, the more you can make it clear how you're going to serve them. And any tips and tricks on how you can do that in this process because obviously you know after a, a show like that was good they served my audience but before getting them on you know because you don't want to waste your time or their time or your you know how do you know well I, I have a good guest application intake form so i have a form that you have to submit that says like what like what do you know more than most people about mm -hmm. and why are you uniquely positioned to talk about this topic but also what core message thought belief inspiration whatever would you like our listener to walk away with after hearing you speak and it's also how clear is that because if they write i don't really know <laughs> then i'm like then what are you here to share so yeah. i want to know that they have a clear message and a clear purpose and passion about what they're talking about i care about that more than credentials to be honest with you i could really care less about the alphabet soup at the end of their name i just want to know hey um, I don't care if you're a best-selling author. It's cool. I don't care that you're, um, you got a million followers. It's cool. But what are you going to share with them? That's going to make them go, Oh my God, I have to write this down. Or yeah. what is going to make them react in a way that they will save this episode for later? What is that thing? What is that belief that you're going to shift for them? That's going to make this memorable. I care way more about that than any sort of like vanity metric. Right. And that's really when we, when we, as you know, Cornerstone International Alliance bring on, you know, our whole group together. And that's the one where, you know, if we can have one or two like aha moments or takeaways from any discussion that we're having, then in my opinion, that's, that's what we're trying to accomplish. And I think you hit the nail on the head. If, if your guests can provide those couple of aha moments, then, you know, your, your, your audience is going to be happy. Absolutely. And then everyone wins because they'll follow along with them. They might connect with them on a deeper level. Also, I recommend that if you're going to be on other people's shows, not to rehearse too much and have it sound canned or like some type of speech or book report. I want it to sound like a conversation. And I also want it to be a genuine conversation having with the host, but also using story, using actual client stories, using anecdotes, using you know, fables even, and being able to articulate that in the form of a story to make a point is crucial. Because if you're just making the point and saying what someone should do, 
they're going to kind of tune out a little bit. You have to make sure that you're telling the story and using a narrative to explain it and that you're using easy to understand terms, analogies, things that will help resonate with people a lot faster. Well, then I'm going to, with that being said, Shane, I'm going to put you on the spot here. What, mm -hmm. what has been one story or one experience that you've had being a guest on someone else's show that is, you know, in your mind, directly impacted you and your business um, after you've, after that episode is aired? Uh, I have one that definitely stands out that's more recent. So I was on, I was on an episode of a very big podcast. Um, I would even flew out to Las Vegas to film it live in person. Wow. And uh, I, it was, it was huge. And I, I loved the experience, but I will admit I left feeling uneasy and unsettled because I didn't really get to talk about my talking points as much as I thought I would. Like there was, it was really a flowing conversation for approximately two and a half hours. Like it was just kind of like if I were talking with this host over coffee, which was, mm -hmm. albeit it was enjoyable, but I also was like, when am I going to get to talk about cash flows and stuff? Like, when am I going to get to talk about this? Like I would try to like insert it in. And I yeah. said, I'm not talking about business enough. Like I'm not getting my pitch in. Like I got all the way here. I'm not going to talk about what I'm selling or anything. And that was my initial reaction. But then I realized what was happening in the background and the episode aired. And I, I was already like, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm going to get any business from this. I don't know if it's going to be very successful. Oh no. Like I was kind of nervous. Like I was very uneasy and uncertain. And I ended up, <laughs> I ended up like when it went live, 10, a 10% increase in my followers on Instagram, like almost instantaneously, 250,000 views on reels. Um, it blew up and I got about 20 submissions to come and work with me. And I was shocked. And I said, I asked every one of them that came in from cons uh, the consults. I said, just curious. I know that you listened to the show. What was it that drew you in? Like, why did you decide to go book a call? And they said, honestly, it was your story about your dad. It was your story about working at McDonald's. It was your story about your husband. It was the story about Costa Rica. It was the story about this. And I was like, oh my God, literally they latched onto me, yeah. not what I know. Like, like yeah. they're like, oh, you're a CPA. We get that. Like you sounded smart, but like, I remember the story about your dad. I remember the story you told about, you know, your work. And I, re I really related to that. And I just went, oh my God. It's not about what you know. It's just about like, did they connect with you on a deeper level and feel like they trusted you? And that was, and, and I've always believed that fundamentally, but I think I really saw this play out in a contrast with that experience. Yeah. Kind of humanizing the whole, whole, whole experience too, because, yeah. you know, we're just two people on a screen right now, but you go deep into, you know, some personal stories and they're connecting with you on that different level. I, yeah, I'd imagine that was huge. Absolutely. And even though it's in the context of business, I think they realized like who they were buying and it's a whole idea of people buy you and yeah. they really got to know who they were buying by listening to that episode. So I think that that was really what resonated for people. And I, I have always underemphasized some of my own personal stories thinking it's not very interesting, but yeah. in reality, it actually did build a lot of relationships. Right. And you try to make it not about you. And you said some people might you might think it's boring or not important, but other people resonate with that. And you kind of, you know, hit a trigger there and like, oh, you know, I, I can relate to that. I had that similar experience. You know, that sounds like someone I could work with. And that's uh, that's definitely a, that's interesting and and totally, you know, relatable um, and, and, you know, important as well. Agreed. Yeah. 
Um, well, Shannon, I appreciate it. Um, you've been an amazing guest. Uh, doesn't feel like we've been talking for over 30 minutes, but, um, you know, it, it's, uh, you can tell that, uh, you know, your experience at this podcast game, this was, uh, probably one of the easier, uh, um, conversations I've had. And it's just really resonates with me as being a new person to the, to, to, uh, to my own podcast. So I appreciate you joining me today. And I, I know our audience will find value in this, um, episode, but, uh, for, for your purpose, where can everybody find uh, you, information about your company, your podcast, how can they connect with you, where can they fill out that form to work with you, all that stuff? Yeah, so uh, for the podcast, Keep What You Earn, you can find it on any platform. And also we've made it easy because my company is now branded under that umbrella. So go to keepwhatyouearncfo.com for my CFO practice, keepwhatyouearn.com for anything related to the podcast or courses and so on. And uh, you'll find a way to get in touch with me. I'm also very active on Instagram if you want to DM me at Shannon K. Weinstein. Okay. Awesome, Shannon. Thank you so much. And that's another episode of the M&A Mastermind podcast. Um, to help uh, Shannon and myself out, like, share, comment, you know, forward on this episode to those people who you think would benefit from this conversation. And uh, to echo what Shannon said, definitely try to get yourself out there, get on shows. Um, there's such a huge impact in a lot of different ways that you can leverage uh, all the all the different tactics that uh, can get you in front of your audience. So um, until next time, thank you, Shannon, and I appreciate you joining us.